Welcome to Integrative Lawyers of the World, where we showcase lawyers who contribute to the healing of the world. Hi, I'm Carrie Raleigh, and our guest this episode is Rajan Chatia of Singapore. Rajan's life philosophy is to help and support people to make the world a better place for all, and his legal career reflects this. He has many accomplishments and accolades, including starting his legal career at one of the oldest and most prestigious law firms in Singapore, before he started his own firm that specializes in family and personal law matters. He has a master's in counseling. He is a mediator. He's one of the first collaborative law professionals in Singapore, and he handled the first collaborative divorce case in Singapore. He's a director on the board of directors for the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals. He is a prolific writer, writing a monthly column for the Singapore Law Society. He's a volunteer with a keen interest in helping the disabled families and children. And he's an integrative lawyer. Thank you for joining us today. You can go to our website at www.integrativelaw.com to check out other episodes and to support our mission of showcasing lawyers who are contributing to the healing of the world. Hi, Rajan. Thank you so much for joining us today. I was thinking a nice place to start would be your philosophy. Um, You include your life philosophy to help and support people in the world. How did you come about in getting that philosophy? Is there an inspiration for it? I think it's just a story. Uh, I remember when I was 15 years old, I got up one day and I told myself, I have to go out and help people. And I wanted to do volunteer work. Um, and it, I mean, and that's how it all started. It just one day I just got up and I just felt there was a great need to help and support people. Um, and uh, my parents were very surprised. And you know, they were like, don't you have other things to do? Um, and uh, when I, I mean, I was done with school, you know, um, the, the high school here, and I wanted to become a social worker. So I told my parents, I'm just going to go and do uh, social studies, social sciences, and then be a social worker. And uh, being very Asian parents, and, and, being, and, and I'm the eldest child to them, they were quite shocked. And they were like, you mean uh, do volunteer work? I said, no, to do paid work. Um, and, um, and they were like, you know, uh, how about, you know, being a lawyer and, you know, and being a lawyer and you can use law to support and help people. And that's how, how it all started. It was just a push by my father. Uh, that's away from social work to uh, law. And uh, since then, I think uh, it's it started and the, the journey didn't end at all. Yeah. yeah. So it started at 15. That mm-hmm. is a young age. And for a lot of teenagers, you know, that's, I don't know, many teenagers have different focus at that point in their life. So to get up one day and say, I want to go help and volunteer others. Do you remember what you volunteer? I didn't go on to volunteer till I was 25 years old. So for 10 years, I just had this passion growing in me and I didn't do anything. And this is way back in the 80s in Singapore where volunteer work wasn't very popular like it's now. So at 25, I started to volunteer and uh, I went to help in, in, a, in a disabled uh, befriending program. And that's that's how I started at 25 years old. And now at 57, it just goes on. But to have that passion or have that pool, you know, for volunteerism, you said it, you had it at 15, but you, you didn't start until you were 25, but you stayed true to that. And, you know, and it was just, okay, I'm going to live this out. And you, you stayed true to that pool and that desire. You went from that 
And I do agree with your parents when they said that law can be a way to help people, which is actually one of the core foundations of integrative lawyers is that we believe that lawyers can contribute to the healing of society. Sure, you, I know you started with an old prestigious law firm in Singapore. That has the image to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when someone says the oldest and most prestigious law firm, I imagine like you walk into a high rise building, very rich decorations, maybe a little stuffy and a little bit, you know, working toward the high class. But is that what that firm was like? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think in the US, they call it the big law. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so it was a big law. Um, and uh, like all lawyers, then I started off wanting to be in a big law firm, do very good work. Yeah. So I spent the first year being co a corporate law lawyer, a corporate lawyer. And I didn't like it. It was just very cold and hard. And I was committing people. And then I went on to become a litigation law lawyer. And I was serving all the big clients. <clears throat> the international firm, you serve the big clients. And every year in the six years that I keep on thinking to myself, I need to go out and work with people and families. I need to be a family uh, law lawyer. And, uh, <clears throat> that, and that was what I did in 2003 when I left the firm. I set up a law firm and I was very clear that I was going to do family law and I wanted to do family law my way. And that is to try and help people to create peaceful divorces. This is 2003. In Singapore, there was no talk about that. We were doing high litigation in family cases. I was very clear, and that's how it all started. And uh, I frankly didn't think that the legal climate would change. I just told myself, I'll just do it my way and we'll see how it goes. And that's how it started. And hold and behold, in 2014, the courts started talking about the things I was speaking about in 2003. Wow. And then, and then, you know, and then they start going on this whole spill about, you know, non adversarial work. They were promoting mediation. And then they were also, uh, you know, uh, then speaking about, you know, trying to reach settlements without fighting out in court. And that slowly changed. And now we have a climate where the focus is out of court settlements, which ties in very well with collaborative law. You had mentioned working in, you know, the big law firm. And, you know, I'm going back to your desire to serve others and to help others and, and to practice law, as you said, in your own way. But there was a time when you, you you couldn't, you know, you're still growing as a lawyer. So what was it like during that time period where you're working at the firm and you're doing your best, but yet it doesn't feel like it's aligned with your inner pull toward helping others? It was really a, quite a low period in my life. I was totally not happy. Um, I was just working, you know, um, and a while later, the big money and all the perks didn't really make sense. Yeah, and I was just thinking to myself, I need to go out and do something. I had a dream and my dream was to be an entrepreneur, to run my my own business. And I and I thought about it for two the last two years in the in that law firm. And then finally in 2002, I said to myself, okay, enough is enough. I'm just going to quit. So I went to tell my boss that I, I'm going to resign. And he was like, why do you want to do that? And, you know, you are in the six in the six year of practice. You know, and you're in a lot, you want the best law firms in Singapore, and why do you want to do that? So I said, no, I really need to go and do something else. Yeah. And I and at the point of time, I wasn't very clear. I just told myself I needed to quit. I needed to go and find myself and then think through what I want to do. 
Uh, and that's what I did. I, I left without a job. Uh, I had no plans then. I only had one plan that was very, very clear was to go and uh, uh, backpack in North India, which I did. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, so I did that. And then, you know, um, and I told myself, I'm sure I'll find my way around. And towards the end of the trip, um, you know, I was um, in a car and something just told me, you've always wanted to help people. You've always loved, uh, loved family law. You have always loved family law. So why don't you just go and start a law firm and practice family law? And it was just that moment. I don't know which part of North India I was in, but that was the, the moment and it all clicked. I said, okay, fine. I'll come back home and I start doing that. And that's how the firm was born in 2003. Um, yeah. And and to me, I mean, you know, the, the big bugs, the perks, you know, the lifestyle of, of lawyers, which is the same around the world, I think. Didn't, wasn't so important because I've done all that. Uh, you know, like I tell my friends, I've done the wining and dining and traveling and all the, you know, and all the very high life that I've led. And I just wanted to be true to myself. Uh, and, and I know that the person that I really am is the one that's, that's it, it's about looking out for the world, help, helping people and doing what I can do. Yeah. To support people. Yeah. And that was the, I think that was the main call in my life. You know. I ask, you know, several lawyers this when we do these interviews, and there is seems to be a common theme of when you get to a point that you know it's not right, or you're not, not that it's not right, right or wrong, but it's not right for you. And there is a common need of, I need to pause. You know, I need to just stop what I'm doing. I need to pause. And in that pause, give yourself time to find yourself again or reconnect with, maybe reconnect with yourself. Um, so we see lawyers doing that. I did that myself in 2000. I was having this, um, my law practice and life kind of just wasn't go like, also I looked up, I'm like, I'm not living the life that I want to live. I had to do a huge pause. So I did kind of my own pause and reset journey is what I called it. And it started out in India as well. Um, oh, wow. so I wanted to go travel and volunteer around the world. And the first stop and I also did a search of like, where are the most like sacred places on the world? And India came up and I'm like, all right. And I also um, was raised Catholic. So Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity was well known in the Catholic community and in the world over, I guess. But so it was a dream of mine to go volunteer at her missionaries in Calcutta. So that was one of my starting places. And it was very I did that too. Did you? Exactly that in 1996 when I was about to become a lawyer. You know, mm. I, I done my exams and I was just, there was this transition period. And I am a great fan of Mother Teresa. I, I read her books, you know, and I I, I, I followed her, her teachings and all that. And, you know, if there's somebody that's in my life, I think that's her really. Yeah. So I did that. And again, you know, it was one of those things I did when my parents was totally kind of against it. They say, it's not safe. It's not clean. Mm. All that. And I said, no, I got to do it. What and, were your impressions of uh, the missionaries of charity? Like, where did you work and how did you think of your, what did you think of your experience? When I, you know, in those days, you know, and, and I don't know whether now they do emails, yeah. but in those days, they don't do emails. So we had to write letters to them and then they'll write, they'll write back to you. Um, so I, I went with a friend and I, you know, and, and I was thinking, why do they only want me to do half a day? I'm there for three weeks. I should do a whole day. Yeah. And when I went there, I realized how hard, 
heartbreaking the work is mm. the what the work is so in, in, in half a day is just just about what you can do i think because you need the rest of the half a day to recover yeah yeah uh, i served in a um, home where they brought in the elderly okay. um i can't remember the name now but they, they brought in the elderly they housed them and took care of them and the the elderly will die there as well Oh, okay. so we have to clean up, clean after them, you know, and you know, and uh, you know, and um, do the laundry and all that. And you mm-hmm. know, he never believed in in washing machines and stuff like that. Everything was was yes. was new. Yeah, so that that was really uh, uh, you know uh, eye opening, and uh, mm. was like wow. And she was alive then, and um, she came back home from the hospital. She was she was already to towards the end of okay. Uh, her life, I think, and I remember Christmas Eve, nineteen ninety six, where you know we were there in the in 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 the house, and she was there speaking to us, you know, and uh, she talked about how important family is. Wow. Yeah, uh, and I was like, you know, nineteen ninety six Christmas is uh, Christmas Eve is very meaningful to me. I think about it every year. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds and like it's. Uh, and then the year after she she she, she passed on yeah. yeah it sounds like it was one of those pivotal moments in your life where you have like a moment of clarity that helps you you know take the next step on the path that unfolds for you that's nice in part of your journey you found more clarity as to your mission and that was to help families and, and enter into family law so how did you go about doing that um, and when I started the firm, you know, uh, I was probably the the only one talking and doing these kind of things. And I started doing it. It was very hard. There was no, you know, structure. There was no rules. But I just went out and doing my thing. Um, uh, and I did quite a lot of work, uh, you know. Uh, and even when I was uh, in court doing the litigation, I was very mindful of of the way it should be done. Uh, I didn't want to go into the kind of high conflict uh, kind of litigation or, you know, or add more stress to my uh, fellow uh, lawyers and my clients. And I think people like that. And, um, you know, and the business just grew mm. um, like that over the years. The firm is 20 years this year. And, um, you know, and right now we're doing more and more of collaborative work, um, you know, and, uh, and people come to us knowing that that's what we do. Yeah. Um, it's been a long journey. I didn't give it up. I was clear that it's the only way I wanted to do it. And I, and I told myself it's the right way. I honestly didn't think I would see that turning into a trend in Singapore. So in 2014, that about when it turned into a trend, I was just so mind blown. I said, oh my God. I honestly thought I'm just going to plant seeds. And in me then, you know, grow you know, when, when I'm no longer around. But to realize that so quickly, you know, uh, things have, have 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 taken shape, and what I I had and my dream and my vision came into fruition, and uh, and then it was really about what do I do next? You had mentioned, and this was around two thousand three when you started, and you wanted to practice law in your way. What do you mean by that? Describe your way. I wanted to help people to resolve their their disputes without high conflict mitigation. I, I wanted them to find solutions to, to work on settlements. I didn't know how, uh, you know, and, and in 2003, I, I put up family law from scratch, um, you know, and I didn't know how, but I was very clear that that was how it should be done. So I helped 
to you know talk you know to help my clients to tell them hey look here we should try and find a way to resolve it let's talk to talk with our spouses let's do negotiation and that's how I started with negotiations and then in 2005 I went on to pick pick up my skills in mediation and at that point of time in Singapore in 2005 we didn't have family mediation at all oh. yeah we were only doing civil mediation and I was like hey but we should have family mediation and then they were saying no no one will do that um, yeah, so so I went on to learn mediation skills in 2005. In 2007, I came across a UK law, uh, a UK law firm website, and they were talking about this thing called a collaborative divorce. And I read about it, and I was like, hey, this is me, I can do this. I think that's the beginning of my collaborative journey, unconsciously. Why do you think there was resistance to mediation in family law cases in Singapore? Our mediation uh, history only started in 1997 in Singapore. So 2005 is not very far. So we finally got into family uh, mediation in 2014 as well. Yeah, so a lot of things took place in 2014. Mm -hmm. So it was, making, so, it was so, making progress. It was making progress. So now we have family, uh, family, family, uh, family uh, mediation culture. Um, and, um, you know, so there's a lot going in the field, but we also had court mediation. So the family justice courts did in-house mediation. It was the judge mediators and that started in 2005. So I, I was very fortunate to sit and watch all this, you know, be, be part of it, um, you know, and, and, and do my small part and yet to see it grow from 2003 right up to now. Mm. Yeah. So it, it's all just little things is all towards a larger picture and that's to help support families help them to rebuild you know their lives in the future with you know with peace in mind be a peacemaker j kim wright has her book lawyers as peacemakers and you know a lot of people you don't initially a lot of lay people or others don't think of lawyers as peacemakers but that's what we do in a large extent to, to a large extent of our practices we're resolving conflicts we are peacemakers yeah, yeah, yeah. and what better place to do that is in the families you know where it affects people in their homes closest to them so and your entrepreneurial spirit i, I love how all of this combines your pull to help others and your entrepreneurial spirit because you really did start something new and part of innovating the way to practice family law in Singapore. What is collaborative law and what drew you to it? To me, collaborative practice or collaborative law is just one sentence. I think it's a very structured uh, manner of negotiating settlements for families and for children uh, so that they can uh, you know, um, work towards a peaceful divorce and rebuild their life and that's what it means to me you know in a simple way structured negotiation because that's that's what it's all about i think yeah yeah, yeah. what do you mean to it i mean i i guess it's a no-brainer in the sense that you know being a peacemaker somebody who wanted to help people to resolve issues then to realize that i was building up tools in 2000, 2005 i was building up a tool of mediation and then slowly as it goes around you know i i was really then i went on to learn a bit of negotiations so it was just building up tools yeah. So, and I was, when I read about it in that website, I was just so fascinated. I was thinking, this is exactly what I can do. And I know I'll be very good at it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, um, when I was trained in collaborative law and speaking with other collaborative lawyers, um, we actually interviewed Stu Webb for series one. One of his main points is it's a paradigm shift. 
and the way that we think of legal cases or the family case and that shift is thinking about how can we serve this family with unconditional love and not destroy each other but to restore the peace and there are different modules and ways that we can do that with the iacp and one of their collaborative tenants is that lawyers agree to not represent the families in subsequent litigation is that how it's also practiced in singapore too Yes, correct. We really follow the tenets of collaborative practice as how it's done in North America. As being one of the first ones in Singapore, did you ever feel like I am like in this sea of lawyers, in the sea of courts, I'm all alone? How did you go about finding um, like-minded professionals? Because in collaborative law, you need to have the other side be collaborative too. So you need to have other lawyers who are familiar with the practice. Firstly, being the odd one out was something I'm quite used to. So it's not something new from 2003. Um, in 2013, um, when I realized, uh, when I met a trainer who trains collaborative uh, lawyers, and she was training in Melbourne in, in, in Australia, and I couldn't wait for the training to come to Singapore. By then, I've already waited six years. Yeah, so I say I can't wait further. I really must go and do it. So I grabbed along a friend who was also very into it and uh, who's also from Singapore. So both of us went up to Melbourne to get trained. Okay. And uh, when we came back a few months later, when we did the first case, I did it with her. I, I acted for the husband and she acted for the wife. Yeah, so it was not that lonely in the sense that she was there as well and she's a very dear friend of mine. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so that's how it all started. And then, then thereafter, we had trainings in Singapore. We had we have a large pool of collaborative professionals now in Singapore. Did you hold some trainings on collaborative law yourself? Or I know you're also a prolific writer. Did you write articles for the Law Society to discuss and promote collaborative law in Singapore? I did write about it in the Law Gazette. Um, and I also was also a, a, a key person in trying to bring the training to Singapore and, and to facilitate some of the trainings. I, I don't train myself yet, but um, I, I was just uh, uh, very involved in bringing the training in and getting more and more people to uh, to attend the training so that people came to me to find out more about it and then they went for the training. Yeah. Going back to all the things that you do, I don't know, how do you manage doing all the things that you do? I think I'm very, very blessed that I have a wife who is very supportive. Um, of whatever I do, wherever I want to go and whatever I want to do, she said, just, uh, just go and do it. So that helps. That does help. Um, and uh, I've got a good team at work. So they, they keep the uh, the show going day in, day out so that I can go and do all this work. But this sort of fits me to do what I do well. Yeah, so it's really food for the soul, I think. Yeah, uh, and not to, to wake up every day and to do this work and to feel so passionate about it, I think that's a gift from God. We are taking a brief break from this conversation to ask for your financial support. With each episode, we hope you can see how lawyers and peacemakers like you are contributing to the healing of the world. It takes many kinds of resources for the integrative law movement to keep going and affecting change. Your monetary donation can help us continue this important work by supporting the activities and the members of this community. Each contribution goes to promote the stability and accessibility of the movement and to support basic expenses like our Mighty Network Group, web hosting, 
social media and event management, and this Integrative Lawyers of the World podcast. Because we like to give people choices, we have ongoing monthly options to match your budget, or you can make a one-time donation. Thanks to our non-profit corporate sponsor, the Renaissance Law Society, US supporters are able to make tax-deductible donations. Supporters from other countries, please check your local tax laws. For ways to support the integrated law movement and our world-changing work, go to our website at www.integrativelaw.com and click on Support the Movement tab at the top of the page. Another great way to support us is to rate us five stars and comment, like, follow or subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google, YouTube or your favourite podcast platform. These ratings and interactions help us get seen and heard by even more people to make an even stronger impact. Thank you for your support and spending time with us today. Enjoy the rest of this conversation. I want to share with you how I felt when I did and when I successfully finished the first case in Singapore. Please do. That's something that is always in my mind, I think, day in, day out. I felt so overjoyed. I've never been so happy as a lawyer uh, as I was on that day. I was thinking, I was telling myself, you know, this is just exactly what lawyering should be about. To feel such great joy that you have done something good and help this family mm. and the children. Yeah. So that it was, it was a very high feeling, you know, a high feeling that, you know, uh, one may get from alcohol and stuff like that, but, you know, but I just got from a case. And uh, it, it was just so, I just blown out of my mind. And, and I, I told myself, okay, I'm doing the right thing. And, th- and this, is, this is the work that I should be doing. So I was, I was even more kind of convinced that uh, this is what, what I should be doing. But that high feeling, you know, that is what, 20, 20 30, now it's 10 years later. Mm. I, you know, I, I can still, you know, remember that day. I was thinking this is what lawyering should be about, really, you know. Did the family who went through that collaborative process with you, Did how did they feel about the process or how did they react to it? The collaborative cases are, can be emotional in the sense that at the last meeting can be very emotional. So my male client sat back and said, I'm very, very sad. And I was, I, and I think I knew what he meant. He says, I'm going to be alone. I'm going to grow old alone. And I'm not, I'm not going to have my family with me in the sense that my wife is no longer there, you know, and my children, I have to share them with my wife. And he's, he, really, he really thought it was very, very sad. And I think he was emotional. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, the wife was emotional too. I mean, they have already settled, but it's just the it's just the emotions that just runs through. She just looked at there, she just, you know, she had no words. So there was only sadness in that in that settlement, you know, in the final day, final meeting, you know, in the midst of all that joy that, you know, I was feeling. There was sadness, and I do appreciate the sadness. You know, we we create peace, we help families to move on to, to forge a new chapter in life, but it's not always a very um kind of a joyous uh, day to start a new chapter. Pe- people do take time. I think that's one of the values of collaborative law and collaborative trained practitioners is honoring the feelings. Of course, it's going to be sad and it's okay for you to be sad and to be in a space where it's safe to acknowledge I'm sad right now, I think is part of the healing process as opposed to 
covering up the sadness with vengeance or anger, that's going to keep people stuck, I think, in, in moving forward. So creating a space of, yes, I, I, I understand it's sad. I honor your sadness and so that they can feel it and move forward. I think it's, it's hard, it's sad, but it's part of the healing process. Right after that, the next two years, you'll call me up once a year to tell me how it's doing and how the, how the, the children are doing. His relationship with, with his two daughters, I believe, were really very good and he was happy. Nice. And, and I think that's what, that's what the whole collaborative process is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes time, but people do, do find their own life. Yeah. So now you're appointed to the board of directors for IACP, International Academy of Collaborative Professionals. Um, and you're the second um, Asian on the board of directors again, and uh, you know a breaking. Not um, you. You've been the first or the second of many throughout your career, and that continues on. Uh, tell me a little bit about IACP and why you are a not only a member but wanted to become one of the board on their board of directors. I mean, the moment I came back from Melbourne, the training. I I remember it was a Sunday that I came back home. And I just signed up to be a member. I was very, very clear that if I am going to continue this journey or rather start the journey, then I need to be part of uh, the the setup. Yeah, so I went to uh, sign up without knowing very much about it, but I knew that that was the way to uh, grow with them. Um, and twenty twenty thirteen, I went for the first forum. Uh, you know that they that they usually have in in October, um, and that was in uh, San Antonio. I went in there. And uh, knew nobody, you know, just as, a, as one person, and the kind of love, support, friendship that was given to me from the moment I registered till the, the time I left. And I told myself, this is the community that I want to be in, and these are the people that I want to be in, to be with. So I, I signed up for the, for, for the committees. I, I served in them. And something told me that I need to do something more for collaborative practice. You know, um, and so I, um, as, as the years went by, then I became uh, a uh, member of the board. Um, this is my fifth year, uh, and uh, so I'm into my 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 second term, second year, um, and I, I finish next year. And um, I think it's been one of the most greatest thing I've done because I've learned so much yeah. uh, from all my friends. You know, in ICP, the the board of directors. Um, I've learned so much about diversity, you know, and I come from Singapore where, you know, the, we, are, we, are, we are so diverse. We have a multiracial society. Can you share a lesson, like a lesson that you learned on diversity? I realized how important it was to be broad-minded and to be open and able to, to kind of accept whatever that comes with being inclusive and, and, and to be, a, to be a, you know, to, to embrace diversity. Because uh, in Singapore, um, I, I'm Indian, so in Singapore we are minority race, and I know how that feels. Yeah, but I think really, uh, you know, sort of have an appreciation of the importance of diversity. I mean, I live it here, and you know, so it's not something new to me. So it's not you know living in North America and, and not knowing a lot about it. So I live it here, but it never makes sense. And sometimes. I, I wonder why it's like that and why am I a minority and the way, you know, sometimes subconsciously I feel that I'm being treated and I didn't really put put a uh, put a, a thumb to it. But 
being able to realize uh, you know in, in in diversity and being inclusive is so important and that i do matter you know even if i'm a minority i do matter and, and i do have a voice i think in the work on diversity made me uh, realize that a lot more and to come to terms with uh, with, with that so it's, it's good to learn and then to sort of right, to practice it yeah and be open to whatever comes you see um you know it took us a when because here in singapore we are a bit kind of close-minded in the sense that we don't give a lot of rights to to the gay population um you know so there was not very very much kind of a recognition given to them and um you know and sex between both I mean, um, between people of the same gender was criminalized for a very long time it's only become non-criminal just about the last one or two years wow. yeah so being able to have an, an understanding about all these people's you know do matter you know they are just as important as, as the rest of us are so so what their views on gender is very different so what yeah so i think that kind of thing is very important in, in the world we live in yeah. you know i mean yes i work with disabled people and stuff like that but to able to embrace whoever and whatever that's very difficult to do and i think through the years i've learned to do that much better in our news cycle and even with like some of my friends in in different groups there's like such resistance to even you know calling black lives matter black lives matter why don't you call it all lives matter and then you get into the conflict over that over the name as opposed to the substance of here's a whole group of people of your fellow brothers and sisters on this earth who have grown up feeling like they don't matter i, I want to give myself an example um walking to a, a, a international board in icp where most of the board members are now North Americans. I'm the only Indian, uh, the second Asian, uh, you know, and, um, you know, just trying to find my way around, you know, in, in, in a very new world. And, um, you know, and not knowing, you know, whether my voice does matter, mm-hmm. whether what I have to say does, man- does matter, does my cultural nuances of what I bring in from, from Asia, you know, does it really matter? And that's what I think I saw throughout my my journey in the board. And ICP is a place where I think we walk the talk, and um, you know, and through the through the years, they kept on saying over and over again, every voice matters, every view matters. You know, you you come from Asia, your your life experiences, your experiences, how you do things in Asia matters. You know, please don't just go by what we do in North America. Tell us how you do in Asia. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So through that, you know, I was like, okay, my voice does does matter. I'm 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 generally quite a heterovert. So being in that kind of group, you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it took, so it took me a while, you know, <laughs> for me to up that. And why is that important? Because that then goes into the rest of my rest of the parts of my life. Mm. Yeah. The way I speak to people, the the way I write on social media posts. And the way, you know, so things have all, you know, I mean, things have changed. The, the, how I feel about myself, you know, my own values, my emotions, how I relate to people, to family, uh, to friends. And, you know, it's, it's all changed. Mm. And that I think it's 
what 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 what's the real point about that? The real point about that is that everyone matters. And that is very nice that your experience with IACP, how they manage and steer the direction of IACP. What is the vision for IACP moving forward? Our vision is always the same. We want to be there to help families to rebuild themselves. You know, it, it states very clearly in our 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 the statement our our mission statement. And that still holds true. Yeah, so we keep on doing that. And it's not just in North America, but it's to be worldwide. And truly now we can see, you know, you know, it being around the world. In Asia, you know, we, you know, the ICP, uh, you know, I, I call it a movement, but it's really collaborative practice. Yeah. yeah, you know, it first came to Hong Kong, then to Singapore, and then now we have, uh, you know, uh, managed to uh, spread the word to, um, to, to, countries like in, in Malaysia, Japan, and we are now trying to work towards India and Sri Lanka. So we want to share this. It's a good thing and good things must be shared. Yeah. 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 So we can share this and we're sharing this around the world. Yeah. So, you know, and um, and that I think is very important because it is not just meant for North America. It's meant for everybody. Yeah. And that's what we are doing. That, that's the most important work that we do. To bring it out to the world so that we can create that that um for the families and you know and create the kind of peace there's this i think it's lotsu with the idea of you know when there is love and healing in the individual there is love and peace in the family when there's love and peace and harmony in the family it's in the community and then in the community in the world when there's love and peace within the nations then that's how we have world peace <laughs> and so you know, you're hitting with the collaborative law practice, it's creating that love and peace within the individual and the family, which is the core to world peace. Uh, so it's a huge, huge contribution to the healing of the world. In Singapore, what is the collaborative practice like now? Is there like a section or a committee to the bar? Are there more active member or I guess your law society? Are there is there greater recognition of collaborative law? More practitioners doing collaborative law? We have a practice group like, like they do around the world. Okay. And our practice group has got mostly lawyers uh, with, with, with a sprinkle of mental health professionals. Um, we get a lot of support from the, from the courts. Mm, okay. In fact, this push came from the courts you know, back in uh, 2013, 20 short 2013. Yeah, so we have a lot of support from the courts. And in our rules, it says that if it's a collaborative divorce, you'll go on a fast track. Oh, that's good. And, and we had that in 2014. Yeah. We have a lot of support from top down. And uh, um, and that I think that does help a lot. When you have a support of the government, it does help a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, and then now we are being here, able to practice that and help people. Um, you know, to reach settlements. Mm. You know, it doesn't have to be collaborative in nature. I mean, as long as it's collaborative in nature, it doesn't have to be the collaborative pra practice. But if it's collaborative in nature, you know, through the way the the law, the lawyers help and support, being mediation or being negotiation, but it's collaborative in nature. And I think a lot of work that we do is very collaborative in nature. In our firm, everything that we do is collaborative in nature, and I'm very blessed that my young uh, young lawyers too they love doing it. Oh, good! I was just going to ask: Are they trained in collaborative law as well? We're not trained in collaborative law, but I think they practice and live it. Oh, good! Wonderful. Uh, and they like that much better than, than litigation. 
and they're young lawyers. How did you become aware of integrative law? It was in the booth at the forum last year in Orlando. Okay. I think there was a booth that was run and then yeah. there, was, there was information shared on integrative law. And and you know me, right? I mean anything that's that's really in line with what I what I feel and do, you know, I I'm very excited about it. Yeah, so I went to pick up the the brochures and stuff like that, and I checked with one one of your colleagues there, and then she said you should be in our podcast, and I said okay. <laughs> yeah. So when the email came, I was not surprised. What does integrative law or being an integrative lawyer mean to you? I'll just say what it means to me because that may not be what what you guys do. I think what it means to me is the role that lawyers play in this ecosystem of uh, of helping their clients who come to them, you know, and um, I think it starts from, it starts with the way of being, the way I am, the, the kind of uh, of uh, support and help that I want to provide. Um, and then working together with the client mm. and then looking at various tools to use to try and help the client to reach their common goal. I think that what the client wants has to be a, a goal that's shared by, by me as well. So if if that's the case, then uh, how do how do we uh, reach that goal? You know, and whatever tools that we use, the the I keep on telling clients, tools are not very important. The end goal is very important. So if you can integrate all of this together and help and support people and get them to where they want to go, I think to me that's why it means it's it's about myself, my values, who I am, and also about the client, what he wants, and maybe what he wants may not be very clear, and they usually not clear. Then you tell them, you know, uh, how about, I mean, what, what is important to you? What are your goals? What, what's your vision? And then to help them to work towards it. You know, a lot of people who come to me and they want high conflict kind of litigation, when I share with them and talk to them and, you know, and say, you know, what do you really want? And people don't want to litigate. People don't want uh, to spend six months, nine months, a year or two years in court. And people don't want to pay very high legal fees. Mm -hmm. They just want to get things done yesterday. They just want to move on their life quickly. So if so, then why are we, you know, putting them into this kind of courtrooms and stuff like that? Yeah. So I think it's to integrate all of this together and then to uh, to get them to where they want to go to. That's I think that to me that's what it's about. Yeah. And I'm I'm of course very, very keen to learn more and find out more, so, which I will. I think you captured the spirit of the integrative law movement so nicely. Thank you for being part of Integrative Lawyers of the World and part of the integrative law community. Thank you very much. <laughs>